Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Uh, Sergio Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival. You said absolutely Ask me about COVID, the black vote, and Tom Tunney just to get started uh, in any one of those orders and let me go. So, Sergio, you got you could start with any one of them first. I've already riffed at length about Tom Tunney and the hypocrisy of Democrats, uh, but feel free to weigh in on uh, any of those issues. Whichever one you want to tackle first. Go ahead. Okay, and let me do let me do the whole Ann Sadler thing first. There was a piece where I saw that um, one of the employees said they ratted us out. Okay, yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. I passed by Ann Sadler about a week and a half ago. The place was packed. It was like no secret. I should have taken a picture. <laughs> Is that of right? the place? And by the way, I'm not really crazy about the cinnamon rolls. They're, they're a bit too rich for me. I, you know, I don't know. But um, it was like no secret. So, you know, when I saw people going in, you know, my attitude was like, well, yes, the north side. They can do whatever they want to do. You know, That's, I, I, you know what? Follow up on that. Uh, Sergio, if, if you've a long time listener, the show comes on. He's born and raised on the south side, a, a resident of Hyde Park, uh, went to Kenwood High School. So he's south sider uh, through and through. And. Yeah, there is definitely a double standard. Northsiders get away with murder, and they don't even get punished by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Well, of course not. You know, so, you know, when I saw that, I was like, eh, well, you know, the north side, hey, what are you going to do, right? So, um, um, so when I saw this piece about, the, the, you know, Tony has to apologize, and we're so sorry the place is back, people pass by, you know... It's, I'm sure, who ratted them out? Every day people were going into that place. You know, it wasn't a secret. It's on one of the busiest streets in Chicago. You know, so what? Belmont, yeah. Belmont, so right, so what's the point? Okay, that's number one. Number two. Um uh well let me let me deal with the COVID thing first, okay? Go ahead. All right. This is something that people the media has not touched on, and and let me let me explain it. Okay, you always talk about the numbers: fifteen million people have died. I'm sorry, fifteen million people have been found positive. Uh, I, what is the total now in terms of deaths? Here's the thing: we're Americans. Okay, you can't tell Americans what to do. Mm-hmm. You cannot. 
tell Americans what to do. We from the from when the time we're in the room, we're told that you're American, you can do whatever you want to do, you can go any place you want to go. And this is especially true for white guys. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't tell me what to do. We're not Australians, we're not New Zealanders. We are not Germans. In Germany, they take orders very well in Germany. They have a history of it. Jawohl. Wow, not um, a bad German accent there from Sergio. I never heard that one before. Go ahead. You're on a roll. Right. We're not Japanese. We're Americans, right? Mm-hmm. There was a, a really interesting piece uh, that appeared this week in The New Yorker uh, about Americans' attitudes. And he interviewed this one guy in his 30s. And um, his attitude was that even his grandfather died of COVID. And his attitude was like, yeah, well, yeah, he was an old guy, you know? You know, so I'm still young. I haven't been sick, you know? Um, we're self-centered. We've always been self-centered. We're selfish. You know, I, I think that um, these experts you see on TV all the time, I think they, they I think they they had the road approach, right? They were trying to appeal to the better angels of our nature. You know, you should wear a mask to protect you and others. Our attitude say, fuck you. You got it. It's not my problem. I don't know you. Yeah. You know? It's like you got it because you're weak. You're a pussy. You got sick and you died. It's not my fault. That's Americans. Yeah. That's how we are. You know, so, yeah. The, and here's the other thing about the numbers. Right. I'm going to quote Joseph Stalin. OK, that's a first on the Benderovsky show. This is a, uh, go ahead. By Joseph Stalin, where uh-huh. he said it, it's been missing. It's, it's been gotten wrong. But the exact quote is when one man dies of hunger, it is a tragedy. When millions die, it is statistics. Mm. What he meant by that is that the bigger a number becomes yeah. in terms of massive casualties, the more impersonal it becomes. What's 15 million? I don't know. That number's too large. I don't know. And here's the other thing. Uh, okay, how many people have died compared to how many people have have, the, have, have been found positive? Uh, now, after 15 million, let's say... Three million have died. Okay, now we're, now people get are, are worried, but when you talk about oh about two hundred seventy five million, people are like, well, you know, you know, it's not two hundred seventy thousand. I'm sorry, two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. well, well, you know, you know, chances yeah. are still pretty good. <clears throat> you know, the reason you got it is because you're fat. The reason you sick and this guy died, there was an article I read about a guy, and this article was being very sympathetic. It was a guy in his thirties who uh, caught the COVID virus and he passed away. And um, when you read the piece, you find out, and he had to reveal this, the guy was 5'5", five, five, who's 296 pounds. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, that's not really going to help you because people will read that article and say, well, yeah, you know, if he didn't die of that, he was going to die from a heart attack or diabetes. Mm. You know, it's, I, I think the approach was wrong. I think, I think the approach to trying to get people to do the right thing, like wearing a mask and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. if you keep telling people, oh, my God, you're going to die, what's going to happen? People are going to tune out. People will tune out. Mm-hmm. 
they'll say, okay, I've heard this in our, okay. Okay. It's like watching a horror film. You can scare me the first three times. After the 10th time, I know where the shocks are coming. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you another analogy of what it's like and get your response to this. You and I are okay. the same age. We came, of t- we came of age at the same time, you and Ken Wood, uh, me at Evanston. Uh, and when uh, everybody in our generation was smoking uh, reefer, and so to deter us from smoking uh, reefer, they showed us a movie in uh, health class called Reefer Madness. And Reefer Madness made a joke of everything uh, because everybody, anybody who smoked marijuana knew that reefer matters was a complete exaggeration and distortion of what the experience of smoking marijuana was like and i think to your point i see some uh comparisons between the attitude that's particularly young people so they hear everybody lecturing them wear a mask don't go to bars don't drink with your friends uh don't get together in large gatherings and they go I don't believe it. It's like reefer madness. It's they're exaggerating. Uh, young people don't die from this thing. Old people die from it. And I probably won't get it anyway. And I really want to go out. And so I'm going to go out. That's the analogy that I see that it's sort of like the hectoring that the health, uh, the health class teachers gave us uh, back in the day. Your, your thoughts on this surgery. Yeah. It's the same thing. I'm reading something here. Uh, Ro Dolan says, uh, Dr. Gupta on MSNBC said that COVID is so bad now that we should worry a shield with a mask when we go into a building that isn't our house. Are you kidding me? Really? That doesn't help, okay? It will do the opposite effect, right? First of all, that's a bit extreme. And number two, um, people are going to say, the hell with that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Look, people always make this analogy to me when I tell them this thing. Well, back during World War II, that was a different time in a different place, uh, in a different country. We're not, we're not that now. We haven't been like that in decades. First of all, remember after World War II, we had just barely recovering from the Great Depression where a third of the population was unemployed. This country was in absolute dire straits. Since then, we've had it pretty good. There have been recessions, right? But all in all, Americans have had it pretty damn good mm-hmm. compared to even other countries. Really, we're spoiled. So when you all of a sudden you're telling people, well, now you're going to have to make these large sacrifices where you're going to put on a mask and you can't go anywhere and you can't do that. Okay, maybe some people will say, okay, I'll do that for a while. But okay, enough's enough. All right, let me ask you this, Sergio. Are you wearing a mask when you go out in public? Yeah, I do. Well, okay. yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. There's no well there. Either you do or you don't. You, so no, when you were walking I mean, down the street. What I mean, when I'm on the, okay. Like when I'm walking to my car yeah. or I'm in, in where I don't wear it. I have a mask in my car. Now, once I'm out someplace else, I always have a mask on. Yeah, I, I'm with you. In other words, like when I go for a walk at night and I'm walking down a deserted street, I'm not wearing a mask. But right. as soon as I see another person coming, I take that mask out. So I, I've been it's been drilled into my head. All right. Now I'm going to ask you a question uh, and uh, I'm going to throw this one at you. 
So you walked down Belmont and you saw those people in the uh, and Satters and uh, you made a general conclusion about North Satters versus South Satters uh, and uh, white entitlement versus uh, black entitlement. In uh-huh. your humble opinion, as a man who has uh, traveled throughout the city of Chicago, South Side neighborhoods, North Side neighborhoods, black mm-hmm. neighborhoods, white neighborhoods, who is more in compliance with the rules regarding social distancing and wearing masks, black people or white people? Black people, without question, without question. Without question. Elaborate. Uh, Just for my observations, even on the South side, well, observations, you know, I live in Hyde Park. I can walk around and I see, you know, I, I haven't seen a black person without a mask. I have not in months. But I've seen, occasionally, I would see a white person walking around, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, I, that's not COVID. That's just me laughing. Yeah. The white person imitation was really, hey, how you doing? Right, you know? So, so yeah. yeah. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think there's more compliance? <laughs> that's the guy. Um, this is a guy I like to watch on YouTube. I listen to a lot. His name is Tariq Nasheed, who is, I think is great. And Tariq Nasheed says, you know, uh, what's the phrase he uses? I wait and I say so laws. I'm waiting. I say so. Yeah. I, I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Oops. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I actually turned on my phone by accident. Yeah, I no. do whatever I want to do. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's my whole thing about it. I, I think I think the approach and actually I have seen articles that have said the same thing, that uh, the approach by the media and by professionals, um, I can understand that there was area on the side of caution, but I think they kind of they overdid it to the extent that eventually it it dulled the senses of people. And they were just like, well, and, and let's face it, this thing has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people who were sick from uh, from COVID back in November. Okay, um, December. This was a couple months before it became officially the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this thing has been around for a long time. First of all, I think there are a whole lot more people who are positive um, than the official numbers. I think there's a whole lot more than 15 million, without well, question. Well, Sergio, if if the approach that they're using uh, is not working, in your humble opinion, yeah, what approach should they be using that might be more successful? Um, I, I don't think probably there was one. Mm. And as I said before, going back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, we're Americans. You can't tell us what to what, what yeah. to do. You know, you can't appeal to our nature, like protect yourselves and those around you, you know, your loved ones, like your father. Oh, my father, who was a drunk, who wasn't around when I was, you know, it beat me as a kid. Actually, he goes, I don't care. <laughs> really? Wait, was that, that was a metaphorical riff that you just went on. You were not well, literally no, speaking. I mean, I mean, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they had, people had this attitude that, Okay, we are Americans, we're, yeah. as I said, we're self-centered. All we care about is ourselves. 
okay, ourselves individually. Everybody else, yeah, I kind of love them, but you know, I'm I'm number one. It's me first, okay. So if that person gets sick, well, okay, okay, fine. You know, I, I'll deal with it. It's sad. like the guy whose grandfather died. You know, you should read the New York, New Yorker piece. You know, um, his grandfather was 93 years old. They found him unconscious in his house. Um, he spent weeks in the hospital. Eventually, he died. And the guy's attitude was that, yeah, I'm seeing this go, but, you know, he was an old guy. He led his yeah. life. Yeah. Really? I, 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 no, I hear you. I hear the same thing. I've had... Uh... I don't really engage a MAGA in these kinds of discussions anymore because it's fruitless. Uh, I'll just say this. Uh, I have to make this point whenever I hear that attitude. Uh, if your approach to it is that um, you don't take it seriously because you don't think it will hurt you or um, you don't really care uh, if you um, uh, die because your time has come, then you should not go to a hospital and you should not seek medical treatment. And you should not burden the system uh, with your carcass. And that's just my attitude. You know, so Rudy Giuliani should not. He's in a hospital now. People have to take care of him. Money will be spent, Sergio Mims, taking care of Rudy Giuliani. And this know, is a guy who's defied all the rules and protocols about it and acted like it was an exaggeration. Now he's got it. And he wants the doctors and the nurses to follow the hypocritic oath and take care of him. I'm sorry. I will, tell, I will, tell, I will say one thing, which I think is a valid point. I, I'll, I'll get to Rudy in a minute. You know, they're talking about how all the hospitals are overburdened, right? Well, here's my question. Mm -hmm. You knew this was coming. They really did. Why didn't you prepare? If you knew this was coming, instead they did the opposite. Uh, you remember they, they were all prepared and they had a McCormick place and he yeah. had a but he took them all out. They took all the hot, all the beds out uh, in the McCormick place and uh, in New York City in Red Hook. They had a huge warehouse. They took all those things out. Now they're like, why did you take those out? You should have kept them. Mm -hmm. If you knew this thing lasted for a year or more and they're going to be surges, keep this. Keep it. Don't take them out. All right, before we leave uh, this okay, subject. Okay, about the black vote. Okay. Yes. Wait, wait, do you have a Rudy riff you're going to give us? No, 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 gonna, no. Okay, I, I, right, let's get to the black vote. I want to hear you on the black vote. I'll skip, I'll get to Dooley for another time. Two things, two news items that came out. Number one, uh, Jenna Ellis, the mm -hmm. Trump lawyer, she's yeah. secretly announcing that she has a, I'm sorry, she has coronavirus. She has okay. coronavirus. Okay? Jenna Ellis. No, I, I did not. She's that one just, of the big Trump okay. lawyers. Yeah, I know who she is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number two, and I, I knew this was coming. Kelly A. Conway has announced that she's writing a book for Simon and Schuster. <laughs> now, I had, I predicted, I said somebody in the Trump White House is gonna, gonna write a book, right? And I predicted it was gonna be Kelly A. Conway, and I was right. She announced Simon and Schuster going to write a book. Uh, Stephen Miller has already written a book. It's called Mein Kampf. So, <laughs> Stop. That was so, subtle. So, um, and he's Jewish. Yeah, yeah. no. I, but, yeah, but, God, okay, yeah. but she's going to write a book. Here's the thing. Okay, 
she's going to have to write a book that tells the real story, right? Because if it's just a book talking about how wonderful it was and how Trump is misunderstood, nobody's go- nobody's going to read it. Actually, nobody's that's well, nobody. That's okay. Let me just point this out. This is something I've noticed about right wing, and this is how they support their own. Uh, and I do this. I, I know this uh, because I'm an obsessive reader of bestseller lists, uh, Sergio. Uh-huh. I try to stay up on books. Uh, they'll buy in bulk. So if the right wing wants to promote a certain writer uh, or a certain worldview, they will buy bulk copies of that person's book. I don't know what they do with them. They keep them in a warehouse, put them in the closet, hand them out at grocery stores. So they'll, they'll turn uh, crummy uh, books into bestsellers. So Kellyanne Conway is perfectly capable of writing a I Love Donnie book. Uh, which can get would be purchased in bulk by various, uh, you know, well-to-do right wingers, and she can make a, a fortune, and it would look like it sold a lot of copies. But there's an the reason I know this is because the bestseller list, if there's bulk buying, they have an asterisk next to it that say, "Well, yeah, bulk it's, it's a press called Regency Press, I think it's called." Here's the thing: two things. Number one, it's not going to sell as well as Obama's book, which oh sold almost God, two million yeah. copies in the first week. Jeez. Number two. Kelly Conway, for people who don't know who she was, she was a very minor Republican activist in the Beltway, Mm -hmm. okay? And she was known as a leaker. That was her big claim to fame. She was a leaker to the press. Uh, Things that were going on in Republican Party, right? I guarantee you, most of the stuff you read about going on in, in, in the White House before she left came from her. Mm-hmm. That's what she was famous for. And she wants to get back into that whole Beltway social world. I guarantee you she does because she has no life without it. So she's going to have to write a book that tells the reality of what went on. And she wants to get back into the world and pe- and they will bring embrace her back into their, you know, clutches as she went astray, but she woke up and saw the light and wrote this book. I guarantee you that's what she's going to do. Cause she writes a book about, you know, Oh, everything is wonderful. Then she's going to be persona non grata in the Washington yeah. social circles. Wait, Nobody so time out. So you think she'll throw Trump under her bus? You think she'll rip him good? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, forget it. He's over with. Um, uh, even all the banks have said, um, <laughs> look, we're not going to loan you any more money. Yeah. You got to pay back everything we gave him. He's finished. There's nothing left for her. She's finished, right, in uh, that uh, sort of the world. So the only thing left for her is to become part of the social di- – uh, yeah. the Washington social, you know, world again. Well, she can merge back with her – it's she can merge with her family. And believe me, it'll be a bestseller. Yeah, she'll be criticized, but it'll be a bestseller. It'll be a hell of a bestseller. I mean, bigger than conservatives just buying her books in bulk, if that's what she wants to do. Okay? All right. Now, okay, now right. the black vote. Yes, okay? that's what I wanted to hear. You okay, now, I mentioned the thing about a couple of weeks before the election, there was this thing going on the internet mm-hmm. uh, that black men voting for Trump, mm-hmm. right? And it got into a frenzy. There was this, I don't know if you know her, this woman by the name of of Brittany Cooper, mm-hmm. she's like this black feminist professor, right? And she um, said um, that any black men 
who voted for, vote for Trump that black women should withhold sex from them, <laughs> including herself. Brittany Cooper is like 320 pounds. Believe me, no black guy is hitting that. Okay? Let's be honest. Okay? okay. Don't the like, views okay. and opinions of Sergio Mims are those of Sergio okay. Mims. Go ahead. Bring, Sergio, you, go ahead. bring me in. I got to say what I got to say. All right? Okay, go ahead. You're on a roll. Okay, so what happened? The black male vote went up a little. It refers to uh, 2016. But it wasn't no mass black black voter, black male voter turnout for Trump. Right. There were some black guys who voted for Trump. Now, why did they do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me explain the reasons why. Number one, Mm -hmm. this is my opinion. Once again, number one, I've noticed that black guys who vote for Trump seem to think that they're better and smarter than most black people. You know, DC, the bigger picture, you know, and I just know from things they say and things they write, they really like to put most black people down and pretend that they're smarter than everybody else. See, I see the bigger picture. So therefore, you know, I'm not voting for that racist Biden. That's what they said all the time. Yeah. I'm not voting for that racist Biden. Biden's a racist, but he never said anything negative about Trump. But he always talked about the racist Joe Biden because of the crime bill. Okay. And other things. Um, Therefore saying that there's no difference between the two, so I'm going to vote for Trump. I know that this sounds illogical, but I see that. Number two, um, okay, I'll have to bring her up. I'm sorry, folks. But Kamala Harris, still, there is still a lot of uh, side-eye, that's the word I like to use, and a doubt among many black people about Kamala Harris. Sorry. Um, you know, when you see the, you know, her, her background and you see uh, her record as a district attorney in California uh, and as, as a attorney general, a lot of people Um, A lot of black people still have a lot of doubts about her, how truly committed she is to black progress, to black issues, you know, and a lot of people do not see her as Mm African-American. Sorry. You know, she's Jamaican, you know, Brahmin Indian, you know, does she know what it's like to be a black person in America? Does she have the, um, does she does she does she have the does she, in her background of, of black people who have lived in this country for generations, for centuries, who endured all kinds of racism and uh, uh, oppression? I mean, does she understand that? Mm-hmm. OK. And there is see now people are laughing at me. The hate is real. Sorry. <laughs> so wait, wait. What you're saying, what you're saying about Kamala Harris is that you don't believe uh, that she generated uh, black support uh, for Joe Biden. It was essentially as oh, though, she, yeah, did she she did bring black votes to Biden. Sure, you know, but yeah. but Sergio, let me just let me just interrupt okay. you to say one thing. I've you know, everybody knows this is a mini obsession of mine for many different reasons. And uh, so I'll try to refrain from going on a long dissertation. I'll just say this. I took a look, a close look at the election results, actual results, uh-huh. not polls, 
actual results from the black wards of Chicago. When I say black wards, they're like 99.9% black. So this is as good as you're going to get in terms of seeing how black people voted. 3% for Donald Trump, which is more than the 1.8% or so he got in 2016. So you could say, wow, that's a significant percentage increase. But in reality, in reality, he got trounced. And it was the black vote, a solid black vote for Joe Biden that defeated Donald Trump. So to me, the notion that there were black people voting for Donald Trump has always been exaggerated. And it's always always been exaggerated. A distortion, absolute distortion of reality. It was that way in 2016. It's that way in 2020. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. It was greatly exaggerated. And I'll go one step further and I'll make an analogy. And this is why it matters so much to me when I make this analogy and get your thoughts on this. The the notion that Bernie vote for Donald Trump, that's so also a distortion. That's also a distortion. That's like a, a myth that uh, mainstream Dems have put out to justify, to explain why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. And I see some parallels between the distortion, the com- feeling compelled to exaggerate the number of black people who voted for Donald Trump and feeling compelled to exaggerate the number of Bernie people who voted for Donald Trump. Your thoughts? You know, we, yeah, I mean, it's all exaggeration. People have this, um, w- want to create this narrative and they want to fit into this narrative re- regardless of what the numbers actually say. So when I start seeing these pieces like before the election, that, oh, black men are coming out in force for Trump. And I said, why didn't you read it anywhere? And, and also this whole thing, like, black women are the black bone of the Democratic Party. Well, black men vote too. Yeah, what you tell me is that black men don't exist or all black men vote Republican? What are you trying to tell me? You know, but here's the other thing. I, I think there is a, a, also a thing um, where I think many African-Americans feel that we want more representation among us. Uh, Like I said, and I said this once in your show before, and you were shocked. And I said uh, that, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Um, Imara Enya would never be elected mayor of Chicago, never never be elected mayor of Chicago, because black people in Chicago are not gonna vote for a Nigerian for mayor. Yeah, I remember when That's you said that. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not ever going to happen, right? And, you know, I'm sure white people here, they go like, huh, what are you talking about? No, we're not. It's not going to happen. Okay? Because, well, black people, because many black people, understandably, will say, what does she know? I mean, she's the daughter of Nigerian immigrants. What does she know about about black people, uh, African-American history in Chicago, African-Americans, the history and the legacy African-Americans in Chicago. The, through the years of daily, I'm talking about like both dailies mm. and even uh, Jane Byrne. And even before that, you know, when this city was right, it still is the most segregated city in the United States. Mm. What does she know about that? She doesn't. Okay? She doesn't know the history of that. So how would she even know how to approach that? Mm. You know? 
By the way, uh, to give you an indication of how Republicans view the matter of black vote, I want to, uh, again, point out, uh, I haven't had a chance to do the deep dive on this, but uh, one of our listeners, Frank, was so kind to send me this text uh, and uh, this tweet. It's talking about developing story out of Georgia. Georgia State Senate Republicans say they will work during the legislative session to eliminate at-will absentee voting, to require, require photo ID for absentee voting for cause, and to outlaw drop boxes in order to, quote, crack down on ballot harvesting what a joke uh sergio what that is saying is they're going after the black vote that's what that is saying and and so this notion that black people are going for donald trump and the republicans if that were the case if that were the case why would republicans in georgia be moving heaven and earth to try to make it that much more difficult for black people to vote if black people were going republican why would they be making it difficult for uh blacks to vote republican if that were the case why would they be moving in michigan to throw out the votes from detroit so that donald trump could win it the notion that black people are voting for donald trump is a canard promoted by the republicans to justify their racist policies by making white people feel better about supporting them that's my position sergio Mims. okay okay before that let me just answer this question here uh i wonder what sergio thinks of tim scott you want to know what i think uh he's a lawn jockey Okay, wait, say that one more time. Okay, hey, wait, let me just ask the question. Out of nowhere, Sergio. Well, he, by the way, you... Sergio's on the live stream chat while doing his interview. Right. <laughs> Sergio, I can see him. He's a guy multitasks. All right, Sergio. Right. I'm looking here, right. All right, okay. let me ask you this. Since you raised the, what's your opinion of U.S. Senator Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina, who who emails me like four times a day? I want to with fundraising appeals. I don't know why he's bothering me. But what's your? He's a bootlegging lawn jockey. What what you what you okay. want me to say? I just you wanted know. to clarify that. Okay, all right. Uh, you know, Tim I'm Scott. sure I'm sure that when he visits the White House, he goes through the color entrance in the back. Okay. okay. And he doesn't uh, complain about it. All right, now, uh, but the story about Georgia is the oldest story in the world mm-hmm. about black suppression in the South. Well, black suppression, black voter suppression everywhere, not just the South. But the South, of course, is um, uh, has almost practiced that to a fine art. I did see that um, the, the debate between um, uh, Warnock and Loeffler. Yes, uh, where she was. Um, Um, I I thought he could have been better. I thought he really could have been better because, you know, she did the thing where she went after him, basically making him the clone of Ho Chi Minh. You know, it's just like, um, you know, you vote him in and before you know it, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be Cuba during the years of Castro. And, uh, if if Tim Warnock becomes uh, a senator, uh, every white man should get scared because, um, you know, he'll come home one day and find his wife having sex with three black guys. OK, I, I that's what she was. You know, I, I get it. OK, OK. But he couldn't respond. I, I want him to respond stronger to that. You know, to those issues well, Sergio, that-, that that is a problem across the board with Dems. And we saw it in uh, the presidential debate with Joe Biden uh, and Donald Trump and uh, in the vice presidential debate with Kamala Harris uh, and um, Mike Pence. Democrats don't forcefully defend themselves. 
it's almost like they're they're buying into the things that Republicans say about them. I've seen that across the board. I've never seen a Democrat who is sort of the left wing version. Maybe Bernie comes close to it, but not really of Donald Trump. Never seen a great Democratic counterpuncher who just Donald Trump says something absurd and just the Democrat just pounds him and attacks what Donald Trump is saying and exposes sort of the grotesque uh, distortions of Donald Trump. I've never seen it. They always get defensive. That's not really true. And I'm pragmatic. And they're always like worried about alienating voters, uh, which Donald Trump does not. And by the way, I'm not allowed to go to do a subtle switch to uh, your expertise movies. I just saw Mank, which is uh, the uh, latest David Fincher movie. I don't know if you saw it. It's dropped on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not impressed. Let me recommend a film on Netflix you really should see. It's called His House. His House, Um, which is a horror film, which is really good. Really scary, really well done. His house is on Netflix right now. Um, uh, it it uh, it stars this actress who was in this series uh, Lovecraft County. Really good about these um, Sudan immigrants who moved to this um, housing in England, which is you, you just see the film. It's it's really uh, to watch. All right, right, so I saw it, man. I didn't. I'm not recommending it. I didn't. It was. I didn't think it was good. All right, that's that's. Oh, well, if we talk about movies. Let me talk about briefly. But let me just say the point. In Mank, yeah, they they re, uh, recount one of the sub themes, uh, sub narratives is about the gubernatorial race in California, featuring Upton Sinclair, who is running from the left uh, as a Democrat, and how the the Republicans red baited him. And this is in the '30s, and it was a governor's race, like 1934. Did, did, uh, I saw Upton Sinclair ran as a socialist. Yeah, well, I think he was running as a Democrat. He was a socialist, but he was running as a, a, the Democratic candidate okay. uh, against, I can't remember the Republicans' name. But the point is, the red baiting, the rhetoric that the Republicans used to destroy, uh, undercut Upton Sinclair, was identical to what you hear in today's day and age. I mean, it's updated for all, you know, to take... Uh, advantage of the fact like they didn't know who Fidel Castro was in 1934. Okay. So they talked about Bolsheviks, but uh, so some, when you described what you heard coming from Kelly Leffler about how uh, Warnock was the second coming of what Castro, obviously gone. Yeah. Yeah. Ho, ho, Uh, ho, Chi Ming. Remember that? Yes, I do remember that one. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, any other recommendations? Any other movie um, recommendations? Uh, no, but can, can I say this? Uh, talk about California. Don't forget when Nixon ran against Helen Douglas. Yes. Uh, that was like in the 50s. Yes. And was, who was the wife of the actor Melvin Douglas. Yes. And he destroyed her. He, he I think he called her Pinko or, yeah. you know, just labor her. I mean, it's the oldest Thing in the, is the oldest trick that Republicans have done in the book. Label my opponent a communist, uh, you know, who's going to really dismantle the whole social order, right? Mm-hmm. I wish Warnock had been stronger on that, you know? Now, Kelly Loeffner, she was horrible. She had that one look on her face all the time. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, somebody tweeted four screenshots 
from different parts of different points of the debate is the same face. She didn't change her expression once. She was an android, a robot, you know. Um, so um, I don't know what's going to happen in this race. Uh, I hope the Republicans keep up this whole thing about don't vote. You've heard yeah. about this. Yeah, oh, my you know? God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Keep that's, it up. Please keep uh, it up. Please. Yeah. Please keep no, it up. No, I, yeah, that's, um, and I, I point this out all the time. Uh, it's very counterproductive a long term because it, uh, mail-in voting is just going to become more and more popular, uh, and so Republicans are are uh, discouraging their uh, base from from making it easier to vote. So ultimately, that will uh, undercut them. All right, Serge, we have to move on. I wrote, make a list. His house. Uh, the next time you come on, maybe we'll do a deep. Is it worth a deep dive? Is it that good? Yeah, is that good? And I will tell you, because I've seen it already, yeah. uh, but we probably can't talk about it until next month. But I have seen One Night in Miami. Oh, already. is that good? Oh, it's great. If you don't know what it is, it's based on a true incident where Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, yeah. Malcolm X, and... and Malcolm um, X. Yeah, Malcolm X, Sam mm-hmm. Cooke, Muhammad Ali, and, uh, and Jim Brown. Uh, got together after a fight. Uh, Muhammad Ali had against Sonny Liston in Miami 1964. And he got together this one night. And it's a knockout. It's a great, it's terrific movie. When does that drop? In January, right? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Actress Regina King. Yes. And Uh, it's phenomenal. It's really fun. The guy who plays Muhammad Ali. I, a guy I'd never seen before. He's got them. He's got them down cold. Well, we yeah. got to have another uh, a movie discussion before January. So I got to find a movie where I thought we would do Mank, but I just it's not worth discussing. Uh, so <laughs> we have to figure something out to bring you back and do the deep yeah. dive. And then uh, Eldridge Hodge plays Jim Brown. I said nobody can imitate Jim. Br- this guy's got Jim Brown. He's got the voice. He's got Jim Brown. Um, it's it's a terrific. It's and the guy who plays Malcolm X is really good. Of course, he's going to have to sta- stand in the shadow of Denzel, Denzel Washington. Yeah, but he's really really good as Malcolm X. And so is the uh, the actor who plays uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. who plays Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. Does he say? Um, it's it's terrific. It's really terrific, and it it may be a bit too much speechifying, but really, it's about these four men. Four extraordinary, four extraordinary men in a um, this one night where they see the future possibilities, but also know the fact that they are black men in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. We could talk about that more next uh, month. All right, next yeah. time. Well, after I, I have to watch it. All right, very good, Sergio Mims. Thank you so much. Uh, we talk to you real soon. Take care. Oh, I did right. my job for today. Wow. <laughs> all right, more thanks, Sergio Mims. Black Harvest Film Festival, outstanding job. Uh, not only talking to us on the show, but uh, participating uh, <laughs> on the uh, live feed. That's our guy, multitasking. And of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. Back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. It's the Butter Cow. It's the butter cow.
It's the butter cow. That is correct. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. It's the butter cow. That is correct. It's the butter cow. You have to be a good neighbor. It's the butter cow. You have to be a good neighbor. That is correct.